let's just lift up our hands. Father, we just thank you for your presence that's already been in this place. We thank you that you know how to work on our hearts and on our minds and in every area of our life. And right now, Holy Spirit, we just look to you right now as we open your word. We ask you to take hold with us as we open it because you were the one that inspired it. You inspired these men of old to write these things for our admonition, for our learning, for our correction. So we just thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that as we look to your word, revelation knowledge flows to our hearts and we thank you for it in jesus name and everyone said amen well it is so good to be back with you guys this week uh last uh sunday uh, pastor wendy and i were out in surrey british columbia we were um uh, part of a speaking team that was holding a conference there and we had such a fantastic time but whenever i get to travel i am always so thankful for home. You know, uh, I, I'm so thankful for our leaders here at Word Church and everyone who serves in, in whatever capacity it may be. It's good to have good help, help, and you recognize it when you're away and you're somewhere where they don't have good help and they don't have good leadership. And so I'm just so appreciative of our home church family and I, that for the, that giving us the opportunity to travel, but it's good to be home with you. You got to be where you're supposed to be. There's things that will only happen when you're in the will of God where he's asked you to be that you may be looking, oh, it looks green over there. No, no, water where you are. Water where you are. Let it turn, turn, the things of your life turn green. Amen? So it's just so good to be home with you. And uh, as I was flying home on Monday, I was just listening to the Holy Spirit and saying, well, where do you want to go? And we still got a lot of things left to say on our, in our faith refresh that we're doing for 2023. But I want to go in a different direction this morning. So you can turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter one, and it starts right here in the first. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Meaning, I like that statement because Paul is saying, the only reason I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ is because this is what God asked me to do. It was his acknowledgement of I'm doing what he asked me to do. I'm in the place he called me to be, and that's why I can do the things that, he, that I'm doing because I'm standing in the will of God. And so he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, and it says, to the church which is at Corinth, and with all the saints who are in Achaia. Now, I'd like to start at the first to give you the context. He's writing to the church at Corinth, and then he says, and all of the saints in that region. Why is that important? Because there's a, there's a mentality that it's very easy to take on. Well, that's good for you, but not for me. No, he's saying, I'm writing to the church. How many are believers here in this place this morning? He's writing to the church. And he says it's not just for the church of Corinth. It's for all the saints in that region. And so how can we know that it's for us? Because God is no respecter of persons. That's what the Bible tells us. He doesn't look at one and say, oh, this is good for you, but not good for you. No, he is not a respecter of persons. His love and his favor and his mercy is for all. And so when Paul says, I'm writing to Corinth, and I'm writing to all the saints, you can take comfort and courage and know that it's for me. 
He's writing to me. Because not everything that's written in the Bible is directed at the church. There's sections that are directed at unbelievers. There's sections that are directed at Jewish reader. And there's parts in most of the New Testament is for you. And so you have to put emphasis on what's for you, and you can look at the parts that were written to the Jewish reader and use that for encouragement, but focus on the things that are for you. Everyone say, for me. And he goes on in verse 2, and he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. And now Paul, you'll notice in his writings, he always starts this way, and he always ends this way. And theologians try to boil it down and say, well, it's just a standard greeting that he chose to use. And no, like, no, no. There, there's no uh, just leftover words in the Bible. There's no parts that are just like, oh, they were just thrown in because we needed some filler in there. No, that's not how the Bible works. Every word from the Bible is inspired and God-breathed. And so when Paul says grace to you, you better know there is grace flowing to you. And when he said, and peace to you, you you better know that there's peace flowing to you, not as the world gives, but only as he gives. And so when he says grace and peace to you that come only by the Lord Jesus Christ, you better go ahead and say, I believe there's a grace on my life, and I believe that there's a peace for me in the day in which I live. There's no leftover filler words just thrown out there because he needed to write something down. Not at all. And Paul always began this way, and he ended this way, because you want to know something? When you, when you study how people listen when you speak, people remember the first things you say and the last things you say. It works on kind of like a bell curve. It kind of goes, you, get, you remember here, and you kind of, the middle gets a little fuzzy, and then you remember the end. So Paul always emphasized the most important parts, first and last, you know, statistically, by the end of the week, you're going to forget 92% of what I'm about to tell you. That's why we do repetition over and over and over. Because if you're only getting 8% of what I'm saying, you're going to have to hear it again. And hopefully next week you'll get a different 8% than the 8% you got this week. But he starts with grace and peace, and he ends with grace and peace because you need to understand that there is a grace on your life. There is a heavenly enablement and provision that has been given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ, and you better recognize it, receive it, and go ahead and walk in it. Amen? And into verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Now, you got to thank God for the Holy Spirit. Pastor Wendy, during prayer there, was starting to step on my message. And a funny story from when we were away. We all planned our message. There were seven different of us that were working at this conference. And we all planned our messages separately. But we kept stepping on each other's messages when we got up there. And uh, Gary was sitting on the front while Pastor Jenny was preaching. And he's like, shut up, Jenny. You're preaching my message. Shut up. And that's what I wanted to say to Pastor Wendy as she's praying. Be quiet. You're taking my message. But he is the God of all comfort. Hallelujah. He is the father of mercies. 
He's the father of mercies, meaning that's what flows forth from him. It is birthed in him and flows to you. There is mercy flowing to you today, and he is the God of all comfort. And that statement was rolling around in my heart while I was flying back from B.C. on Monday because when we're having soup and buns here this morning, that's a comfort food. And a comfort food, oh man, it just hits a little different, doesn't it? I, I love the fall. The fall is my most favorite time of year because we get to start making soups and stews and chilies. And those are my favorite types of food. But you know, they hit a little different in the summer. When you got a piping hot bowl of soup, you're like, oh, this is a little hot. And then you start to sweat. But there's something different about on a chilly morning, that first sip of warm coffee, right? What do you just goes? Mm. Or you've been outside, you've been shoveling the driveway, and you come in and you have that bowl of soup, and that first bite hits, and you're just like, oh, it does something to your heart. I'm not talking about the spirit, man. I'm talking about the seat of your emotions, your, your, your mind, your thoughts, your will, and your emotions. There's just something that experience does to your heart. It comforts you. You know that the Lord is the God of all comfort, meaning he's got comfort for you just like that in every situation you walk into in your life. But just like I said, a, a bowl of soup tastes a little different in the heat of summer. You work your way through it, and you start to sweat, and you're like, oh, this is hard. This is hot. I want something cool and refreshing. Not all comfort is applicable in every season. And sometimes the way we want to be comforted is not the way we need to be comforted. Come on. In the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it defines comfort as to give strength and hope to, to cheer in some situations we go through, what we're looking for is a little sympathy and a little bit of pity. And God's saying, no, I'm going to give you strength and hope. Come on. If you're looking for sympathy and pity when what you need is a confident expectation of good things to come, it won't be very comforting when someone says, oh, you poor thing. No. You go, get up. Lift up your eyes unto the hills where your help comes from. My help comes from the Lord who's the maker of heaven and earth. There's a time to comfort people in a way where they need a hug. They need a shoulder to cry on. And there's another time where you say, get up on your feet. We're going to believe. We're going to stand together. Come on, a, a number of years ago now, it's, I guess it's almost 20 years ago now, I was with a friend. And in that moment, uh, he gets a call while we're, we were just kind of chatting. And he gets a call from his older brother. And his brother says to him, I just want you to know, I love you, but I'm about to go kill myself. And he hung up the phone right then, and my friend just broke. And he crumpled to the floor. And I grabbed him, and I pulled him up. And I said, you get up. We're going to pray now. He didn't need someone to go, oh, that's horrible. He needed someone to stand in the gap with him. And we said, right now, in the name of Jesus, we break the spirit of death over him. We said his name. And we command right now life and peace and hope into his body in the name of Jesus. And I said, now, you get on the phone and you call your dad and you go tell him to get him. He didn't need someone to go, oh, that's so bad. Oh, 
so much, that's not, uh, it's so hard to hear. No, he needed someone who's going to go put his foot down. And so not all comfort that you want is the comfort you need, but comfort will refresh your heart. Man, when his dad got to him in time, man, and he called him and said, he's okay, we got him, we're going to take, that was comfort that flowed to his heart, where there was a weight lifted off of him that the enemy tried to crush him in that moment, but the weight was lifted and comfort flowed in that moment. And so don't get used to always having to be comforted in a certain way. That might not be the comfort you need in the situation you're going through. And so comfort means to give strength and hope to and to cheer up. It also means to ease the grief or the trouble of to console. And so there's two sides of comfort. There's times where you stand with someone as they walk through grief and you bear that load with them. There's other times where you got to give strength and hope. Amen? And so there's things that are refreshing in the summer and there's things that are comforting in the fall and in the winter and in the chilly spring. And it's the same way with God. He's the God of all comfort and he knows the comforts you need right now. Now, that verse number 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to read it out of the Passion Translation right now. It says, All praise belongs to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for He is the Father of tender mercies and the God of, everyone say this with me, endless comfort. That should be comforting to hear just that. He is the God of endless comfort his supply never runs out and I love that the passion translation catches the tense because sometimes when we're looking at Hebrew and Greek words is they have tenses that we don't have in English and the tense of comfort is a continuous in nature it doesn't stop God is constantly and never ending flowing comfort in your direction that doesn't mean you'll receive it but God is never letting up or giving up when it comes to comfort. It is endless. And here it says, he always, say that word with me, always comes alongside us. You know that time when you were feeling like, I'm all alone. There's nobody here beside me. That was a lie. Because he said he always comes alongside to us, to comfort us in Every, say that word, every suffering, so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. We can bring this, them this same comfort that God has poured out upon us. So he says he always comes alongside us in every suffering. And I like the word, the word suffering there. When you think of suffering, you know, we probably have a certain picture that we get in our mind of what it's saying. But the word there that's used for suffering is the word thlipsis. And it means oppressing. You ever felt like you were being pressed and crushed under a situation? It means an oppression. It means a distress. It means a stress. And as I was thinking about that, when we think of suffering, we usually think of physical situations. But do you know that there are emotional and mental pressures and stresses that try to come upon us? And they are no different than the, the, with comfort as the ones that are physical. 
Come on, there may be a physical thing going on in your life, and the Lord will comfort, and he will heal you, and he will build you up and strengthen you. But when you're going through an emotional distress, when you're going through a mental illness attack, he will comfort you in those things as well. Come on, that's a taboo subject for a lot of people to hear in the, in the body of Christ these days because society is championing illness of the mental sort. And they, and they celebrate it. Come on, no, God doesn't want you to celebrate it. He wants to come alongside you and bring comfort and hope and strength and bring healing to that as well. It is just as much uh, available to you as physical healing is. When it says he bore all stripes on his back, that he carried our sorrows and he carried our griefs. That not only was the, referring to your physical ailments, but he's also talking about the ones that mentally stress you. And so when he says in every suffering, he's saying whatever presses you, whatever oppresses you, whatever stresses you or distresses you, he will come alongside beside you and he will bring comfort and restoration. Amen? In Psalm 34, it says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and he delivers them out of all their troubles. Not just the ones that might be socially acceptable to talk about. Come on. It says all their troubles. And it says the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. The words that are used here for broken heart are not referring to your spirit. They're talking about emotional distress. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and he saves such as have a contrite spirit. Come on. He saves those ones. That word saves means to bring health and healing and deliverance. So you may feel like you've got a broken heart, that your emotions and your, your mental state have been ruptured to such a state that they've been never can be put back together. That's a lie. And it's not something you have to learn to live with. It is something that the Lord will lift you up out of. Hallelujah. And it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all says, he guards all his bones, and not one of them is broken. The evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. But the Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. It says, the Lord redeems the soul of his servant. That word redeems is the word padah, which means to rescue and deliver. And the word soul is the word nepis, which means your mind, your desire, your emotion, and your passions. The Lord will redeem and rescue and deliver you from things that afflict your mind, your emotions, and your passions. And so we need, can't put boxes around what the Lord can do. Well, I'll just put up with it because it's not a physical thing. 
No, he wants to rescue and deliver you when there's things that begin to afflict your mind, begin to afflict your emotions. Emotions are wonderful, but they make a poor master. They can enhance a situation. When you're in a happy place, it's good to feel joy. But when sadness tries to invade into those moments of joy, that makes a poor master. I don't want to be sad when I'm around my family, when I'm around good things. I'm not going to let the enemy influence my emotions to rob me of the joy that should be flowing and so emotions are great but they make a poor master and here it says the Lord redeems he rescues and he delivers the soul of his servants why because Paul said in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 now may the God of peace come on what did we start with Paul said grace and peace to you May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Or another way we could say with completely there is in every area. Let him sanctify you or build you up and set you apart for himself in every area. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless or flawless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is not in the sweet by and by. When I step into heaven, all of those things will be rectified. He's saying he'll preserve you now in this time so that when Jesus splits the sky and comes back, you're already preserved whole. In spirit, soul, and body. Spirit. That's the real you. When you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, God did a work on the real you on the inside. It says, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Guess what? Your spirit too. He made you in his image and his likeness. In the garden, he breathed the breath of life into man. That word breath of life, it says man became a living spirit. And the reason why we have to make these distinctions is because religion has used spirit and soul interchangeably, and they are not. They're two different things with two different words. The word spirit here is pneuma. It refers to your inner man, the one that has gone through the transformation that became saved. But the word soul here is the word suki, where we get our word psyche and psychology. It has to do with things of the mind, the will, and the emotions. And so he wants you spiritually whole at his coming, but he also wants you soulishly whole at his coming as well. And he wants your body preserved. So he wants every part of you to let his health and wholeness flow to. He wants to redeem your soul. So let's think about this. Let's go over to Mark chapter 5. Now when we think about Mark 5, you doing all right? I don't know if I believe you. No, just kidding. (laughs) In Mark chapter 5, if we back up into chapter 4 first, we have the situation where Jesus is asleep in the boat. He told the disciples, I'm going to the other side. And in the midst of the storm, Jesus just falls asleep. And the disciples begin to get into emotional distress. And what do they say to Jesus? We're going to die. Don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus got up and said, peace be Still. 
They were emotionally distressed in that moment, and God brought peace to that situation. Now, the story doesn't end. It flows right into chapter 5 where he's made this awesome thing where they're like, wow, even the wind and the waves obey him. But then they get to the shore, and this is where the story picks up. It says, then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when they had come out of the boat, immediately, whoo, God, it's like, couldn't you have given me like a day to recoup after that type of situation? He says, immediately there came and met them out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles were broken into pieces, and neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And when I read that on Friday, something struck me. Here is a man with an unclean spirit, and even that, that unclean spirit within him knew that the best thing to do is worship the Lord. Come on, how come it's so hard to get Christian believers to worship the Lord? The enemy recognized the majesty and the splendor of the Lord and say, okay, we know the position. Come on. And so when he, he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshipped him. The enemy knows his place. Do you know his place? Under your feet. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by, the God, by God that you do not torment me. And he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, what's your name? Now this is interesting because I think this is Jesus' first response is, get out, foul spirit. But then as he listens to the Holy Spirit on the inside, the Holy Spirit begins to give him direction of how he should be dealing with the situation. Come on, a lot of times when we walk into situations that are less than desirable, we have our response. It's important to listen to the Holy Spirit's response. He said, come out of him, unclean spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, eh, there's more going on here. And he said, what's your name? And he answered and he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. So Jesus said, unclean spirit, but there's actually spirits. And so the Holy Spirit gives him that correction of how to deal with the situation. And whatever you go through in your life, the Holy Spirit will give you the best route, the way you should go about it. And that's why we always need to remain flexible in our responses. Well, this is the way it's always been. Doesn't mean it needs to be the way it always will be. The Holy Spirit will guide you. And so he corrects Jesus. And he says, uh, what's your name? And he answered, said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. And now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. And so all the demons begged him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. 
And then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, and there were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. That's interesting that the swine had enough sense to say, this is not what we want. (laughs) I choose death over living like this. And it says, so those who fed the swine fled, and they, told, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. So that's just the story, the progression. They meet this man filled with unclean spirits, that man named Legion. He, he's been out there for a long time. He screams in the hills. He lives in the tombs. He cuts himself with stones. This man is not in a good situation. And then as they go into the town and they begin to tell everybody what has happened, they come out to see what happened. It says this. This is where I wanted to get. And they came to Jesus and they saw the one who had been. Past tense. It's no longer the case. Demon-possessed. And he had legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. That is a great statement. Are you trying to say, Pastor Jordan, that all mental illness is someone who has a demon? No. (laughs) Don't put words in my mouth. That's not what I'm saying. But there are thought processes and influences that are straight from the pit of hell that you do not have to accept. And there's things that get passed down from fathers and mothers to sons and daughters that we call them generational curses. But what they really are are just influences. Well, we've always lived like this. We've always thought like this. We've always put up with that. No, one encounter with Jesus put this man back in his right mind mind. You may may have got out of there because of certain influences of a spirit, but you know what? The Holy Spirit can correct that and bring it right back to where it's supposed to be. And so this man who went through all these violent things of screaming and cutting and, you know, being the crazy person of the hill, and here he is, one encounter with Jesus and the Holy Spirit corrected what needed to be corrected. Come on. We are not to look to society to tell us how it should be. We look to the word, and to that we agree. I say that because I get emails all the time. Oh, pastor, I'm looking for an affirming church for my trans whatever. You cannot affirm what the Bible does not confirm. And you may want me to say, oh, it'll all be okay. It won't. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but the wages of sin is death. Come on. The word of God will correct all that the world tries to pervert. And so it doesn't matter what the topic is, there is comfort of the Holy Spirit that will correct the situation and bring it back to where it needs to be. And so this man, they found him sitting in his right mind. And so there may be influences of the enemy that may be shifting things away from being in your right mind, but the Holy Spirit will correct it and he will redirect what is necessary. So back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, All praise belongs to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the Father of tender mercies and the God of endless comfort. There's a reason why there is a continual nature to the comfort of God. Do you know what that word for comfort in the Greek is? It is the word paraklius, which is a calling near 
especially for help. It is an admonition, an encouragement, a comfort, or a refreshment. But that word paraclesis is very important for your understanding because do you know what the Holy Spirit is called? He is called the comforter, which he is the paracletos. And so comfort is what the Holy Spirit does. And he is unending, never stopping. It said that he will abide with you forever. Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. One just like me. You know, whatever situation Jesus met, he met with the comfort of the Lord with what was needed. The blind, did they need to see what was comfort? Sight. The hungry, what was the comfort? Food. Whatever was needed, the Lord met it. And the Holy Spirit is the same way. He is the comforter. He knows what you need, and it says that he may abide with you forever. He's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Say, I know him. For he'll be with you and he'll be in you. And so the influences of the world may push you off to accepting things that you don't need to accept. The reception of the Holy Spirit will bring you right back in line. Come on, this is what Jesus said, being filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he sent me to heal the broken hearted. Whatever emotionally ails you, whatever mentally ails you, whatever part of your will that just doesn't want to conform to the Lord, the Spirit of God, He will bring perfect alignment to where you need to be. He will relieve the burden. He will redeem the soul of His servant. And so if the world can have influences, I say the Spirit of God can be an even greater influence. Come on. We just when we were in BC, we saw a bunch of people get filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's amazing how one reception of that can change every aspect of your life. Man, that gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why he told his disciples, "Don't leave Jerusalem without him." And everywhere Paul went, he said, "Have you received the Holy Spirit? We didn't even know there was one." Let's fix it right now. Why? You can't do life without him. He will correct what you cannot correct. I'm not saying, oh, just try and fix your own thoughts. No, I'm saying let the Holy Spirit give you new thoughts and a new way to think. Let him fix every chemical imbalance that may be going on in your mind. The world does what it can, but the Holy Spirit does what only he can do. Hallelujah. Let's, let's lift up our hands. Father, we just thank you for the comfort that flows to us in each and every situation of our lives. You know where each and every one of us is right now and what things are facing us and what things are ahead. Holy Spirit, we just ask for your wisdom right now in what we need for our lives because we know you are that dynamite power, that dunamis power that you said that we would receive when we got the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that it changes things. It rearranges situations in our life. 
it brings us to that place of grace. It brings us to that place of peace. It brings us to the place of comfort. I thank you, Lord, that it doesn't have to be as it's been. But this is how my family was. Well, thank God you've got a new father. You've got a new family in Christ Jesus. That however it was, I now receive from my new family lineage. He gives me peace. He gives me joy. He gives me comfort. He eases my grief. He lifts my burden as I just set it down at his feet. So I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it. Hallelujah. God, we worship you. Yes, we do. Oh, Jesus. We receive what only you could do. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just spend a few minutes. I know we got food and we're all smelling it. Let's just worship God for a moment here. Oh, we glorify you, Jesus. Go ahead and sing that song, Tov. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we worship you, Jesus.
Thank you, Father. We glorify you. We glorify you. Hallelujah. In just a moment, our, our Word Care team is going to be up here at the front, and they would love to pray with you about anything going on in your life. They would love to celebrate with you if you've got testimonies to share. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you can come and see them. They would love to usher you into that. Hallelujah. He's the only thing that can fix our lives. Thank you, God, for the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that you've sent unto us, that to be our comforter, to be our guide, to lead us and guide us into all truth, to show us things to come, to bring all things to our remembrance, to show us how to glorify you and to lead us in those paths of peace. Jesus, those were your words that you said the Holy Spirit would do, and I believe you've done that in my life, and you are faithful to do that to all who submit themselves to you and receive that gift. So we thank you for it. Hallelujah. Pastor Robin, why don't you bring us in for a landing? Praise God. The Godhead decided that it would be the Holy Spirit that would bring you everything they want to get to you. It's through the Holy Spirit. If he's not your best friend, you need to make place to make him your best friend. Amen. I, I cannot imagine a life without Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you. Ibrondi shakashore motiandiso kobomante anda. Bilandian jachaki baba susur. Mimaki brinjin yasso sokoborundaya. Lomoniasu shikiomusitinyatyakoja. And so moments with me are lasting moments. Words that I speak unto you are life and health to all your flesh. So moments with me as you spend time with me in your word, in my word, and in fellowshipping and worshiping me, those moments will last. You will drink from that well and from that word and from that moment in time with me over and over and over again. So sow into the spirit, sow and allow the comfort of the Holy Spirit to lead you, to root you in my love, ground you in my word, and allow my presence to flow up and to spring forth out of you like a river and a springs of everlasting life coming up out of you. So drink of me and those moments when you are hungry, not only in the natural, but check your spirit. Are you hungry? for me. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You think we're done? Be la bronjigi la masito combo ya pichi popoku ti papa hu litnya nya chi isi combo njori ya chiki basada. Ha, 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 
ha, ha, ha, ha, ha, ha. And I laugh in the face of the devil. And I laugh in the face of the devil. Because he has no hold. And he has no hope. But I have a future. And I have a good hope. Because I know the plans that I have for you. Ha, ha, ha. So I laugh in the face of the devil. I laugh in what he thinks that he cannot do. But I know that when we reach the end of time, we will look and say, is that the one who caused this trouble? Whoo. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, next week we're going to go in a little bit different direction from where we've been this week and where we've been last, uh, the weeks before. Um, we're going to address some things in regards to, with everything going on in the Middle East, you know, there's so many Christians that I think are being led astray by nothing but fear and warmongering. And you need to understand what the Word of God actually said about things of the end time and the place where we are and what's to come. Because a lot of people are mixing up what's going on with what's going to come. And so next week, we're going we're gonna to look into some things. Uh, we're going to hear from some different perspectives from some people who know a lot more than me. <laughs> Amen? So you don't want to miss that because it's important we address things like that because the enemy wants nothing more than you just to be swept away with the fear of the world. But there is no fear in love and that's what God is God is love it says perfect love casts out fear if your end times philosophy produces fear it's not God's right so we're gonna take a look at some of those things so stir yourself up and be ready amen we need to take up the offering uh, you can give there's an envelope in the pew in the, the seat in front of you you can there's a basket at the back there's uh, the, okay, the, there it is, wordchurch.ca forward slash give. Amen, amen. Uh, let's say this together. This is my seed. I sow it into the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best, grow. I sow you to spread the gospel. I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to go where I cannot. I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. His supply is sufficient. I walk in the abundance of grace. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. And Father, you said that you would bless our bread and our water, and you take sickness away from the midst of us. So Father, we receive the blessing and receive healing in Jesus' name right now. Amen, 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 amen. Let's partake. 